There's something that's been weighing on my heart that I want to talk to you today about. And I don't know, uh, and I sure don't see it anywhere else as to how there is a remedy other than through the people of God. But it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take people that truly have a burden for the kingdom of God, not just this local assembly, but worldwide, including the heartbeat of God's plan, not only from this local assembly, but from all over and around the world that reaches all the way into Afghanistan. I am just heartbroken over what is happening. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But today, I want to talk to you from this subject, the investment. The investment. I think that in order for us to have a successful relationship with Christ, that we're going to have to invest. Brother Wilson, I so appreciated what you taught this morning on finances. And it really was enlightening to me. And even though I exercise a lot of what you taught, there's some things in there that I need to learn as well. But it's not just the investment of our finances. Because if that was all it were, you would then be able to buy your way into heaven. But your money is going to perish with you when you think you can purchase your way into heaven. We do have financial obligations. But it's not to buy your salvation. It's to, it's to sustain the church and the kingdom of God so that the church can move forward. So allow me for a mo few moments to talk about the investment. Charles Francis Adams, who was a 19th century political figure and diplomat, he kept a diary. He wrote in this diary every day to log all of the events that were occurring in that day. So one day he entered, went fishing with my son today. A day wasted. Went fishing with my son today. A day wasted. His son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary. And they even say it's still in existence today. And on the same day, Brooke Adams made this entry. Went fishing with my father. The most wonderful day of my life. The father thought he had wasted his time while fishing with his son, but his son saw it as an investment of time. The only way to tell the difference between depositing and investing is to know one's ultimate purpose in life and to judge accordingly. Now, you're going to get this when I tell you, because listen to me. In Matthew, Jesus says this in 619. He simply says, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. This is depositing. 
Here's what I want you to understand is that a deposit is not an investment. That's only getting out what you put in. Some people only get out what they put in. And never understand the supernatural levels of God's kingdom. Because they always just make deposits but never make investments. So a deposit is not an investment. That's only getting out what you put in. Getting out of life what you put into life. That's all deposits are. You can make deposits and all these are not bad. It's just showing you a principle here that buying houses... That's a deposit, spiritually. Buying cars and positions, or excuse me, physically. Buying cars or even holding a position. Monetary success, entertainment, influence, or even partying. Pentecostal style. Don't get that wrong. Those are all deposits. But investing is the residual or remaining after the greater part of the Quantity is gone. In other words, when you don't have a house, when you don't have the money for a car, when you don't hold a position or have monetary success or maybe you're not an entertainer or you don't have much influence, what are you going to do when all of that is gone and your account is broke? That's why Jesus goes on to say in the 20th verse, but lay up for yourselves treasures investment right here. He's talking about not just depositing things in this life, but understand there is something you can invest in that has eternal value. Because if the real estate market falls, you lose money. And as it is going, something is going to happen to us economically in North America. Because there's only so long you can take out of what we put in until our nation becomes broke. But it used to be we were a God-fearing nation. It used to be that we would invest in the spiritual things. And that's why when we would, would invest, it was in things like in God we trust. We had prayer in schools. We had in the judicial system. We had, we had prayer before there was any kind of a judicial procedure. And all of these things were just investments into things that were greater than North America itself. And he says, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through nor steal. This passage right here, the one before, was a deposit. But this passage is so, showing us what we must do to invest. Then he says in the 21st verse, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, the heart is a reference of our emotional state of mind. Some of us can't qualify who we are emotionally unless we drive a nice car. Unless we live in big houses that we cannot afford. 
But I just wonder, aha, I just wonder what would happen if we started investing in the things that are eternal. Not just making investments in this physical life, but investing in things that give us life everlasting. Now I'm going to preach to you today. He's showing us that everything that is deposited is for this life only, but what is invested is in life eternal. The only way to tell the difference, let me say it again, between depositing and investing is to know one's ultimate purpose in life. If you don't understand your purpose, you'll only deposit. But when you understand who you are, oh, I want to talk to somebody today. When you understand that you were not created just to be successful in this life, although that is a benefit, that's not why you were created. You were created in the image and the likeness of your God. What does that mean? He said, I'm going to give you power and dominion over evil spirits so that you can overcome this life that is only depositing and have something that is the residual of something that is left over after everything else is gone. Oh, I, I wish some of you would get with your pastor today because some of you need to understand there's much more to this than just this building. There's much more to this than just this life. There's much more to this than all of the things that we benefit from this world. But God is saying, I want to show you something greater. Oh, you got to get this. There's more than the songs we sing. There's more to this than the preaching I'm preaching. Amen. There's a God of glory that is in this house ready to do a work. And we've got to understand that the only way we receive the beauty of those things is when we invest in the supernatural things of God. See, because depositing is a very scary thing because you only can take out what's in your account. And if you take out more than what's in your account, what happens, Brother Wilson? You're penalized. <laughs> depositing money in your account only allows you to live from one paycheck to the next. You barely get out of Sunday service, and you've almost backslid before you got here on Wednesday. And say, Lord, I need some more in my account. But we used to sing a song that talks about my cup runneth over. Don't just fill my cup, Lord. I'm not here just so that I can have a deposit. No, 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 no. I'm here because I need a touch from you, God. And I know you are bigger and better and better than any situation I have. And I need you to fill me up, Lord, to overrunning that, Lord. I want something more that's going to keep me not just on Sunday, but I need something to show up on Monday. And I need something to show up on Tuesday. And I need something to show up on Wednesday. And if I didn't get to church on Wednesday, I still got it on Thursday. And I still got it on Friday. Because, God, I've got something that is more than just a deposit. I've got an investment. Amen. When the physical won't work, you got to tap in to the spiritual things that God wants to give you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Brooke Adams 
the son made this entry. Went fishing with my father. The most wonderful day of my life. That's why I come to church. I'm going fishing with my father. Some may say church is not important. Some may say that it's non-essential. Oh, and others might be trying to shut it down. But I'm going to tell you, God is still in control. I don't care what the devil may say and how many times he tries to beat against the bow of the church. The church is going to win. The church is going to overcome. We are more than conquerors, as Paul said, through Christ that strengthened us. Amen. We are going to be overcomers. Why? Because God is our partner. Not this world. Not this government. Not the president. No. God is our partner. Amen. I'm not going to take sides. No. I'm just going to be on his side. There's more to this than fishing. I'm just getting to do it with the Father. Ah. You have to have the desire to invest yourself into something that has eternal value. You have to have a desire to invest yourself into something that goes beyond yourself or your own benefit. You can't come to church and say, okay, Lord. If I do this, I expect you to do that. And you show up as if God is waiting for you to set the guidelines of his purpose. That's not the way it works. You can't just believe that if you invest in yourself, God, what can you give me is the only reason I raise my hands. And Lord, what you can bless me with is the only reason why I come to church. But what would happen if you had quit looking at what you need and start thinking about what does the Lord need? Uh, you you, you got to get what I'm preaching. I'm going to come down there for a moment because some of you are not getting what I'm saying is because there are some things that the Lord needs. That's why when he came to a tree and saw that it was barren, the Bible says he was hungry. What was he hungry for? He was hungry for the fruit of the tree. That's why we offer up the fruit of our lips with adoration and praise to our God. Why? Because I'm investing in something that is giving to the Lord rather than investing in something that only gives to myself. Oh, come on. I wish I had a church to show up here today and realize that God is wanting to do this for you today. But you got to get to the place where you are giving to him what he desires. Mm. Yeah. But where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The word heart is emotion. He said, be careful with your heart because it's full of trouble. And it gets you in trouble. What you thought was love was lust. So when you saw her or him, I'm in love. No, he's just so good looking or she's so pretty, you're just starstruck. Has nothing to do. Because, trust me, 
40 years later, when he's bald, and she looks like she just come out of a collusion center because she's got more body parts on her. And uh, he says this emotion, this stuff comes from your heart. He said, what you value is what you're emotional about. See, a lot of people don't understand why we become emotional as Pentecostal people. I'll tell you why we're emotional. It's because that's where our treasure's at. So, 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 listen to me. I, I don't need a song to dance. I got a Savior to dance. I don't need your antics and all of your structure to give glory to God. No, I, I know what he wants. And, and now I'm going to invest in something not of myself. And that's where my treasure is. And that's where my heart will be also because it emotionally moves me. If you're not emotional about the spirit of God, something is wrong. My church, hear me. Something is wrong. Something ought to motivate you. Something ought to get you excited. Something ought to cause you to say, I just feel something something. I feel something. And it may not even be what my pastor's preaching, but I've been given to the Lord in the song, and I've been worshiping Him, and my treasure is Him, and that's why I'm emotional about Him. more to this than fishing see I believe that we have to come to a place where we desire more than we want desire more than we want how does that work I'll tell you how it works Stories in the Bible that show us a desire for God at times does not always yield what you want. So let me explain it this way. Daniel prayed three times a day. That's desire for God. Nobody can argue that point. But a decree was made that if you keep praying, you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. Well, that's not what he wanted. But he understood. I desire God over my own wants. So when he would crawl up into that window and begin to pray... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You're a faithful God. I have it in the flactories of scriptures upon my wrist. I've worn it upon the frontlets of my forehead and put in that that there is only one God. And in my prayer, and I can see the devil himself saying, you can't do that. And if you continue to do that, there are consequences. But David 
or excuse me, Daniel says, you know, it doesn't matter what they do to me. My desire for God is more than my want. See, if you're not careful, you'll want to quit praying. You'll want to quit going to church because it's too much for you. That's where the devil gets you with anxiety, suicidal thoughts. He tries to get you with drugs and alcohol and partying, the things that, that are of the flesh. And you've got to be careful because where your treasure is. Daniel says, I'm going to keep praying. God, you are God of the living. But you're also a God of the dead. He understood that his desire for God was more than his once to such a degree that he understood to be absent from this body is to be present with God. He said, there's nothing going to dissuade me. There's nothing going to deter me. There's nothing going to take me away from what I desire in my God. Now, I don't want to go to the lion's den, and I don't want to suffer, and I don't want the enemy to, to tell me there's consequences. I, 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 don't, I don't want that, but if I have to, I will, and I don't mind. And Daniel also understood the same spirit that Jesus had when he went to a cross. He, 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 he had a desire to save you, buddy. He didn't want to have to go to the cross to do it, but he did it for you. And when we get to the place where it's always about what we want, but what we desire in God, I'll guarantee you we'll turn this church upside down and your families will be saved. Your children will come back to God. The backslider will find themselves sitting back in the pew and living for God. Do I get a witness here? today that somebody is saying I want to give God what he desires rather than what I want oh, somebody shout hallelujah somebody shout hallelujah stand to your feet give the Lord a clap offering of praise I might just go to preaching before it's over. You will invest your life in something. You will invest your life in something. Or you will throw it away on nothing. You will invest your life in something or you will throw it away on nothing. There is no, hear me people, hear me church, hear me visitor. There is no greater investment in this life than to invest into something that is eternal. Because I live my life knowing that when my mom and daddy died, that's not the end. When I step over the threshold... From glory to glory. And I step in the gates on streets of gold.
I'm not going to dance because it's gold. I'm not going to dance because there's gates of pearl. I'm not even going to dance when my mom and daddy's standing right next to me. I'll tell you when I dance is when I get to Jesus as quick as I can. And I say to him, thank you, Lord, for making this day possible where I can stand here and not only see you, but see my family and every child of God that has gone before me. And then I'm going to start making my rounds after I go to Mama and Daddy. I'm going to go to Moses. I'm going to go to Isaac. I'm going to go. Come on, somebody. I'm going to go to Jacob. I'm going to find Abraham. And when I do, I'm going to get emotional. I'm going to dance with them saying, it was not always what I wanted, but I I invested in something that was eternal. Uh, I'm ready to retire from this life. Not right this moment. So don't anybody help me. But when I do retire from this life, I'm not going to have to worry about neuropathy. I'm not going to have to worry about heart problems. I'm not going to have to worry about my cholesterol. I just hope I can find some zebra cakes in heaven. (laughs) Nothing better than a zebra cake than a Dr. Pepper sitting right next to it. But when I retire from this life, I'm going to retire all my pain. I'm going to retire all my struggles. I'm going to put down all my hurts, my disappointments. This next one you ought to hear, I'm going to put down my bitterness. I'm going to get rid of the chip that was on my shoulders. Oh, come on. And one day I will be able to hang up my hat on this life that has only been for deposits. And live in my retirement of investment. Mm. Hope some of you are getting this. I hope you all have invested in something that gives you residual. Remaining. Residual, remaining after everything else is gone. Residual, after all this life is over. You got something you can put your eternal future on. I got so much I want to preach today. Thank you, Sister Nicole. If I ever get to the place where I struggle with preaching. All I have to do is look at her, and I pulls me out of my tailspin. (laughs) Mom and Daddy, you did something right right there. Look at this. I want to show you this principle. I I, got to keep pounding on this. I mean, I know I've already hit the nail into the wood, but I'm going to put the nail all the way through the wood before it's over. Uh, Jesus is talking here in Luke 16, 19, and he said, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. Sumptuously every day. Notice, 
He had money. And he kept depositing his money. But there was a beggar named Lazarus, which was laid up at the gate full of sores. Here you have a man making deposits, and then you have Lazarus, who the only relief that he had was when the dogs were licked the sores upon his body, yet he had an investment. Don't tell me you got to qualify for your investment. It doesn't matter how broke you are. He says, I will never leave you. Lazarus, I will never leave you. While Lazarus, in the 21st verse, it said, he desired to be fed with the crumbs which fat fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man, the man that made deposits, the rich man also died and was buried. Twenty-third verse says this, so let's do this. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus he saw also in his bosom. And he cried in the 24th verse and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in the flame. Interesting thing about this whole story is when Lazarus needed him, the rich man was not available. But now, when the rich man needed Lazarus, Lazarus was not available. You shall reap what you sow. So that's when Abraham said, Son, 25th verse, remember that thou in thy lifetime received the good things, the things that you deposited, and likewise Lazarus' evil things of this world, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Remember how you didn't invest in those things that were eternal. You lived the good life but neglected the eternal life. You enjoyed your deposits, but never gave to anything that was outside of your own wants. And he says this, and beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Now the rich man saying, I wish you would send Lazarus to my brothers and my family. He says, I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. 
everything he's referring to right now is he realized, man, I should have invested in this rather than just purple raiment and beautiful houses. I should have thought about what I was going to do on Sunday rather than thought about going and just taking vacations with family every weekend and leaving those things empty that I should have filled in an investment. And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear of them. And he said, nay, Father, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Hmm. He said, let me go back. Let me go back and fix it. Let me, let me pause here for a moment and say, why, why, why go back? Why, do, why don't we fix it now? Because in this case, the rich man's account is closed, and he says, you have nothing to invest with. Thirty-first verse, and I'm about ready to conclude. And he said unto him, if thy hear not Moses, or if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Can we say, if they're not willing to understand the whole message of what Moses is all about, what Isaac was all about, what makes you believe that if someone comes back from the dead, that's going to make a difference to them? Because they're so into what they want that they'll never listen to anybody other than their own thoughts. Y'all still awake? All right. So now, I look at some of you, and, and some of you have come to your pastor, and you have said to me that, Pastor, I, I barely can get by, and, and I can't hardly make it, and I'm really struggling. And I, I understand. Listen to me very, very much. I understand what, what some of you may be going through. Maybe not all of it, but I understand. But Lazarus looked like he had nothing, but he had everything. And if I could only get you to understand that alone, that when you feel like you don't have anything, the reality is you keep living for God because that means you have everything. It doesn't matter if you've got money in your bank. It doesn't matter what you have influence with people. It doesn't matter if your spouse left you. It doesn't matter if your kids have disowned you. If you still have God, you have everything. Don't count me out as though I have nothing. Amen. Don't count me out. Ah. But the problem is so many people want benefits without investing. It's amazing to me that it's no longer about hard work anymore. It's no longer about investing in the future. Here is the ultimate paradox. You ready for this? Government incentives. Or government incentive checks gives people no incentives to work. And so I go to restaurants and I'm asking, uh, how come you're only 
open half of your restaurant. Why are you only open half of your restaurant? And they said, well, the reason is because, because uh, we can't find anybody to work. And now I'm trying to get a pool dug in my house, and it's been six months, and i got a big hole in my backyard. Nobody's ready to work. And here we are. We, don't, we, we, we want benefits, but we, we, we don't want to invest. Now I'm going to get political. Is this okay? Yeah. Pulling our troops out of Afghanistan and leaving innocent people to die at the hands of the Taliban. is not investing in our future. They are killing Christians. Dismembering them. And I don't know how you feel about open borders, but I'm going to tell you, they're coming right over our borders now, and they're establishing Sharia law in our state or in our country. There are certain parts of Chicago and Detroit you can't even drive down through the middle of the city because they'll beat you up and kick your car in and throw rocks at you. What am I saying? I'm talking about extremists. I'm telling you, it's no longer about hard work and it's not investing in our future. Because if we were investing in our future, we would be protecting the innocent people in Afghanistan. I know I'm not going to get all the claps in the house here today with that, but it is the truth. They're killing Christians. They're killing news anchors. Afghans being killed, innocent people. Afghans being killed if they have a Bible app on their phone. And you say, this couldn't possibly happen. I'll tell you how it can happen. When you're sympathetic to those kind of things, we're not investing in the future. What am I saying? I'm saying that from a spiritual perspective, we need to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified so that the world can know that we still believe in a God. Though He slay me, yet will I serve Him. Because while they're telling these innocent Afghans that have a Bible app in their phone, we not think of the future when they made those decisions? Someone asked me, Pastor, why do you do what you do and how, why are you so dogmatic about how you, you pastor this church and requirements and what much is given, much is required. And some of you are, don't, don't understand that. And that's okay. But for me as a conservative living pastor in a, in a country that is losing her values. I am telling you that the reason I am doing this is because I'm trying to keep God in everything that we're doing so that when it does come and if it does come that we're living for God based on our investment not on our deposit. To exclude God in your life is like quitting your job and still expecting an income. But you can do that in North America. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. Anytime we have the ability to protect innocent people, that is an investment. That's what I'm preaching to you today is that when you protect your home spiritually, I'm not talking about 
guns, and I'm not talking about knives, and I'm not talking about warfare. I'm talking about you understanding that we are in the greatest spiritual battle we have ever been in. And as a people of God and even as a church, our rights are being ripped away from us day by day. And we're losing what we once were. And I'm going to tell you, this gospel is not going to change. The good old-fashioned, old-time Pentecostal truth is still relevant today. And he doesn't change, so we're not going to change. And the message is not going to change just because we want a different interpretation and a Bible that, that fits our narrative. No, 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 no. We're going to keep with the book. We're going to stay with the book because we know something to be true. And that is when it's all said and done. I'll tell you who's going to win. It's not going to be the government. It's not going to be the extremists. It's not going to be your money. It's not going to be the house that you live in. You might find those taken away. But when you know that God is true in your life, Mm, let's stand please stand I was just reading my Bible I thought it was interesting that I come across a master who left for a season of time and left in care his money or his talents. He was wanting to know what are you going to do with what I have given you? And so he gave one servant five talents and he gave another three talents and he gave a, the third one talent. And he says he gave each one of them a talent according to their own ability and the one with five took it and invested it the one with five took it and invested it the one with three took it and invested it but the one with one deposited it where'd he put it in the ground He put that talent that God gave him in the ground. I've raised my kids to understand that God has given you a talent. If you know how to play the keyboard, don't play it for the world. If you know how to play the drums, don't play for the world. God gave you that talent and just as quick as he gave it to you, he can take it away. But he gave you that because he's trusting that you're not going to just bury it in the earth or in the world or in the ground. He was showing them how important it was for them to take what he has given them and invest it in your future. That's what this service is all about. That's why we come to the house of God. That's why we dress up and put on our Sunday go meeting clothes. It's because we're investing. But I feel in my spirit somebody has lost their way and you can't see clearly. 
trying to juggle life and you're trying to juggle all of the things that have come in your path and you're trying to figure this all out but all the while the Lord is saying listen don't worry about all those things you're trying to juggle don't worry about all those things that are coming your way why don't you just invest And I believe today would be a day that you could completely turn your life around if you would just take the few moments that it's going to take today to invest in the Lord. And so as they begin to sing quietly, I'm going to give you an invitation. I'm going to give you an invitation to step out from where you are as quickly as you can and come down to the front of this auditorium. Move in close so those that are behind you can, can get in to pray as well. So we're not stuck in the aisleways. Come on. Open up these aisles so people can get through. Come on. Maybe you don't know God. But he's given you a talent that you might be able to invest into those things that are eternal.
Your 